Welcome to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. Uh, I am Pastor Ken Jones, and I am joined by our, well, two of our regular hosts, uh, Jose Prado and also Aldo Leon. David Menendez from Tamiami Baptist is not with us today, but uh, we pray that his visit with the Pope went well, <laughs> and we look forward to a, uh, a soon return. Uh, we're going to be continuing what we've been discussing over the last several weeks about uh, the theology of glory versus the theology of the cross and how it seems to be more symptomatic of evangelicals to be inclined towards a theology of glory and really underestimate the importance of the theology of the cross or the significance of it. And as we continue this discussion, we are joined by a very special uh, co-host or guest, and he's a very dear friend, longtime friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Michael Horton, who is the uh, a professor of theology, systematic theology and apologetics, I believe, at Westminster Seminary in Escondido, California. He is the founder of and the voice of the White Horse Inn radio program, which has been on the air for over 20 years. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Thank you, Ken, and and the White Horse Inn has been what it what it is, largely because of the years you were on it. And I really appreciate your friendship, and uh, the Lord has put us together for so many years. Amen. Thank you. Well, listen, Mike. As as I said, we have been discussing um, the theology of glory versus the theology of the cross, and of course, uh, over the years, uh, Rod has been very helpful and talking yeah. about uh, those distinctions. And as we were uh, discussing it, I really did think about your book because we, we did some programs on it also before the book was published. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think we interviewed one of the ladies that you mentioned in the book uh, who went to Africa, was uh, a missionary and so forth, and, and, and didn't understand the importance of, of home and, and things of that nature. So would you kind of just give us the premise of the book and let's talk about how uh, how the uh, a theology of glory seems to be in the bloodstream and the DNA of most evangelicals. Yeah, you know, it's in the bloodstream of all of us. Uh, you know, Martin Luther said that Adam was a theologian of glory, and, you know, it, it's in us. We mm. And part of that is because God created us for something great. Mm. God, God created us to... Uh, to be fruitful and multiply, to uh, spread throughout the earth and be God's viceroys, his prophets, priests, and kings, to uh, bring the whole earth under the submission of his rule and to drive out all evil forces. But, of course, we know what Adam did was he let the, let the uh, corrupter into the garden and everything went downhill after that. But we were created, we were wired mm. for glory. You know, that's and, that's. A, let, let me pause right there yeah. for a moment because I think that's a that's a huge point mm. when we talk about uh, total depravity and the image of God. People sometimes think that means uh, all of the image of God is extinguished from us, but I would argue yeah. that total depravity means that we are we we still maintain all of the faculties, but they're all distorted. And, right. and they're corrupt, including, as you said, well, I, and I would even begin with love. It's not that we lose the ability to love, 
but we don't love who we should love and we don't love to the degree that we should and we love some things that we shouldn't. So what you're saying about that that sense of glory, that kind of goes back to our being created in the image of God. That's great. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's inextinguishable. We can't, we thirst for glory. Hmm. But the Hmm. thing is, as you said, the fall turns us inward. Augustine called it being turned in on ourselves. Hmm. So now, after the fall, to be a theologian of glory, uh, instead of waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue us, is actually uh, a, a theological heresy known as Pelagianism. You know, mm. we're going to save ourselves. We're going to, uh, you know, God may chip in here and there, but basically, uh, we're going to we're going to get back on the path. Jesus is going to show us the way, and and we're going to we're going to be able to. Uh, do a, you know a do-over here and mm. uh, come out okay? That's a theology of glory. There mm. can't be a theology of glory after the fall. There has to be a theology of the cross. God has to come down to us. We can't rise up to Him. He has to descend to us if we're going to be saved. He has to clothe Himself in our humanity and rescue us if we're in fact going to ever be able to share in his glory mm-hmm. as we will one day as we eat from the tree of life. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So death before death and resurrection before we can experience or understand any sense of the intended glory that God created us for. Yeah, you think of uh, Jesus uh, with the dejected disciples on the Emmaus Road. And he said, didn't you understand from the prophets that first the Messiah had to suffer and die and then enter into his glory? Mm. And, you know, it's always first suffering and death and then glory. So we've got to die now. Right. Like Jesus, we have to die so that this body of sin is, you know, goes into the grave and with Jesus comes out of the grave part of the new creation. And so a lot of people think, well, it's glory now. If I just follow the right principles and if I just name it and claim it or if I just do this or that, then I'll get back on that glory road. And in fact, we can't. We we have to, first of all, uh, suffer with Christ Mm -hmm. and then reign with Christ. And and part of that in, in terms of the message of the church and uh, the means that are used to, or, or the, well, the message, yeah, and, and the means. Um, I guess that, that's where the idea of ordinary comes in. Uh, God has given us word and sacrament. God has given us uh, sinful creatures uh, like ourselves where we have community, and it's through those, those ordinary things that God communicates his transforming and life-altering grace. Yeah, yeah. You got to think in terms of where where do you find God? Everybody on the street thinks that you, you know, if God showed up, he would show up in a palace, or yeah. he would show up uh, in the great, uh, you know, uh, with with a fanfare and trumpets and so forth. But actually, where did God show up at Christmas? God mm. showed up in a cave, for Pete's sake. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, that manger was probably actually in ancient Palestine. It would have been a cave. Yeah. 
And uh, so he wasn't even on the earth. He was under the earth. He was born <laughs> born uh, as low as you can go. And, of course, you know, nobody except those to whom God uh, revealed himself, and they were lowly themselves. They weren't princes. Mm. Um, he, it's, it's low, 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 low. God comes low to be with all of us, to be with the poor and the downcast. And then, then where do we find him next? Well, we find him repeating uh, the temptation uh, in the garden, only instead of, like Adam, uh, grabbing the fruit that uh, seemed pleasant to his eyes uh, and desirable to make him wise, he said, no man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So we, we find him suffering in temptation, but then triumphing. And then where do we find him next? Well, we find him hanging on a cross. Yeah. Flies, yeah. Fly, flies buzzing and mm. blood dripping. That's where God is. And that's, that's not where we expect to find him. And so now, today, we can say, seriously, we're going to find God at our smelly church with, uh, with people next to us we barely know and... In, in some guy up there preaching a sermon to us and mm. uh, in water, seriously, yeah. water being splashed on people, uh, or in your case, almost drowning people. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, man. And we're going we're, we're gonna to find him, we're going to find him uh, with wine, the most common yeah. staples of ancient Mediterranean life. Um, really? Seriously? Uh, these simple things and the simple fellowship of, of other broken sinners, this doesn't sound like your best life now. Well, it's actually the life of the cross. This is, this is where we find God in weakness and frailty. Mm, amen. Yeah. I, Michael, I think one of the things that we, uh, uh, we misunderstand is, when Jesus says, you know, uh, you must you must die to self, uh, you must carry your cross. I think a lot of people or a lot of us, we believe that dying to self simply means dying to our our outward sinful uh, dispositions instead of uh, realizing that dying to self means I, I die to everything. I die to my own righteousness. You know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I die to my good works. Uh, I love the chapter uh, on your book that describes, you know, uh, ordinary as not being um mediocre um right. you know, and, and you talk about the difference of that you know which uh, we we need to understand uh that dying a self is is simply dying to everything i place my my trust in that is not christ yeah yeah you yeah, yeah i think yeah, you put so well yeah i think it's interesting that in scripture uh God says things like, if you give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, you'll have this celestial reward, because it emphasizes the significance of the object of our faith as we do things, and not so much the significant significance of what we what we do. And so if you do very simple things uh, rooted in Christ, um, they are eternally significant. If you do amazing things like, you know, all the radical things of just kind of American pietism— um, not from faith in the finished work of Christ. It's just, you know, like, like, like Luther said, it's like splendid sins. 
Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, it's it's not extraordinary because of the activity so much as the one in whom we are doing these things. And I think that's what really is missed today and uh, just, you know, just a lot of the, the evangelical jargon of our time. Yeah, Jose, I mean, that that really, you're, you're referring to Matthew 25, where Jesus says, you know, uh, here's a situation where your brothers and sisters are going to jail for, for believing in, in me. Mm. And he says, I, uh, I'm telling you right now, whoever gives a cup of cold water to at least one of, one of these brothers and sisters, visits them in prison, uh, is doing it to me. First of all, think of how closely Jesus identifies himself with the church, mm. uh, that to give a cup of cold water to a brother or sister suffering for Christ uh, is is to give Jesus a cup of cold water. But then also, um, to, to your point, think of, of the response of the people, the sheep, the elect, yeah. they respond by saying, hmm. when, when, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, when do we do it? Cold water. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And then, and then the, uh, the goats, they, they're, they're all self-righteous. They say, well, when did you tell us <laughs> that we had to do this? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's the difference between faith and that when you're trusting in your own yeah. righteousness, you find ways out of God's judgment, whereas uh, those who are crushed by their own sin and trust in Christ don't even think about their good works as, oh, I'm doing a good yeah. work, and mm-hmm. I, I ought to get reimbursed for this. They think they, they don't think of it. What do they think of? They think of their neighbor who's thirsty for Pete's mm-hmm. sake. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I, all. Uh, yeah, My yeah. Both, but both sheep and goat are like, well, if we had known, we when, when did we see you that way? And of course, the the implication, which by the way, I think is demonstrated by James. If we had known it was you, of course, we would have <laughs> gone out of the way yeah. to do something for you. And I think that's what James is alluding to when he says, "You yeah. make distinctions." If someone yep. comes in dressed well then you think they are a celebrity and you would, you know, that they can help your bottom line and you would serve yeah. them. And those who are poor, who have nothing to give, you put them over there and you discard them. And um, so, again... It's a good thing we don't do that. It's a good thing we don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's that's yeah. ancient biblical <laughs> well, history, right? <laughs> I, think, I think when you're saturated with the radicality of God's works for us in Christ, the most radical things we do seem very not radical you know yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, you know it just seems reasonable in light of the just supremacy of of what god has done for us in christ it, just, it doesn't seem like impressive it seems just appropriate given the massiveness of the grace that we've been given yeah and isn't that what paul says in in romans 12 yeah, yeah. he says uh first first of all he does all the doctrine hmm. first of all he tells us who we are in christ and justification and being baptized into Christ and raised with Christ and so forth. Then he says, in view of all these mercies, mm-hmm. present yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, which is your luggy cane, mm-hmm. your logical, reasonable yeah. service of worship. I think a lot of people today, you know, they don't get the connection between doctrine and life. And yeah. so yeah. they think, well, you know, I. I don't know why I should help that neighbor. Well, it's the logical yeah. response to what God has done for you, you wretch. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, look, look at what he's done for you. And as you say, it's it, it's the ordinary things. You know, I can I can easily say, one of these days I'm gonna get in a get a trailer and I'm gonna go build uh, houses for poor people in Mississippi. Hmm. Uh, that's great. If you, I mean, if you actually do it, my parents did that, and, yeah. and I, I'm really proud of them for doing it. But, you know, we can often use it as an excuse. We you know, talk about the poor, capital mm-hmm. T, capital P, or the needy. Mm-hmm. As it, you know, they're this abstract group yeah. out there. Yeah. Well, what, a, what about my mom in a nursing home? Uh-huh. She's yeah. the one I don't want to visit. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about the person who, who came to my door and— I got a neighbor who 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 uh, asked me for my kidney. Hmm. Good grief! What do I do in that situation? I don't want to give yeah. her my kidney. Yeah, but she needs it. She that's what she needs right now. So the ordinary is basically being there for not the neighbor, capital T, capital N, but hmm. for actual neighbors every day who yeah. need us when we turn yeah. away. And yeah. of course, the Bible makes a distinction between our brothers and our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in the faith. We have a common heritage. But the problem is, even if, and we have a hard enough time getting along, getting along with our brothers and sisters in the faith, but our neighbors are all of those people that our blocks and our groups tell us that we are other than. Our neighbors are gay. Our neighbors are are on the other in another political party our neighbors are immoral they don't go to church they may go to church but they may be jehovah's witness but they are still our neighbors yep yep exactly exactly yeah and we when when they come to us you know we have to distinguish here a lot of liberals say well matthew 25 and and you know uh, Jesus, when 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 uh, a person comes to us, it's Jesus coming to us. Right. We have to distinguish between, as you say, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, these my brothers and sisters. Uh, when you've done this to the least of them, yes, our neighbor is is very important. Mm-hmm. But our brothers and sisters, they are Jesus to us. Right. They, Jesus comes to us. He so identifies people that when my brother and sister come to me in need it really it is jesus coming to me and 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 really though to that point mike um because and i i think part of the 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 reason for that illustration is to show how difficult it is for us to be as gracious as we ought to be to our brothers and sisters and if it's hard for us to be that way towards our brothers and sisters just think of how far it is away from us to be gracious to our neighbors. Jesus yeah. is not yeah. identifying with our neighbors. He's yeah. identifying with us and our brothers and sisters. Yeah. yeah. Think of, think of how, and, and, and I, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. I get, I get this, but think of the way uh, our tendency often is to dart in and out of church. Okay. We come, we do it. We mm-hmm. get back in the car as quickly as we can, hope we don't have to talk to people. And then we do the same thing to our neighbors. We drive in our driveway, you know, speed down our driveway to get into the garage before we have to say hi to anybody. Mm. There's a real individualism and consumerism and narcissism, not just in our society, but in our own hearts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things about the ordinary Christian life is it constantly draws us outside of ourselves to look up to to Christ in faith and out to our neighbors, first of all, our brothers and sisters, but our neighbors in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the more we realize that all the works that are necessary for God to relate to us have already been fulfilled in Christ, we realize, well, what, yeah. do, what do we do with our works now that God doesn't need them? <laughs> yeah. Well, we we, we yeah, turn I toward love, our neighbor. Yeah, I love that line from, from Luther. Yeah. Uh, God doesn't need your good mm-hmm. works, your neighbor. Your na- and, and Calvin says the same thing. He says, uh, now that, that uh, uh, Christ has uh, fulfilled everything for us, um, the only place for our good works to go yeah. uh, is out to our brothers yeah. and sisters who need them. Yeah, and, and, and I think one of the issues in the whole radical movement is it's almost like the idea that God needs our radicalness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> for us yeah. to be Christians and, and, and significant, you know, quorum Deo be, yeah. before his presence. Uh, Mike, let me ask this uh, as it relates to ordinary. What about in terms of worship, the, the importance of, of understanding God revealing himself, God communicating his grace through ordinary things in the context of public worship as opposed to the event, the worship event? Yeah, well... Yeah, the, the worship event um, kind of belongs to the world of entertainment. Mm. Um, it belongs to, you know, there's going to be a show here, a big event. Yeah. Um, well, the event really is God showing up. And I think part of our craving for spectacle is the fact that we don't really believe that God shows up in these really frail, mm. seemingly insignificant means. We really don't. We think that, you know, when we say the Holy Spirit showed up, right. a revival or something, it's always, well, I knew that it was a, a revival. I knew it was the Holy Spirit because there was no man up front preaching. Mm. Um, and no, 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 no. Look at the book of Acts. Yeah. Every, every event in which God shows up to forgive sins and to uh, uh, re- regenerate and renew people, it's always through the preaching of the word, and then they're baptized um, along with their children. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and then, uh, Yeah, and and then and then they are taught and catechized in the fellowship of the mm. saints, and and they they take communion, mm. um, and in that communion are made one with Christ more and more, uh, and when you're made one with Christ, you, you are simultaneously made one with the other members of his body. I mean, the, Amen. this is this is Bible. This is what the Bible yeah. teaches. This isn't some kind of weird, Reformed or Lutheran uh, doctrine. Yeah. This, all, all of this the, is what the Bible teaches. All yeah. of, the, all of the, the talk about let's get back to the basics and get back to the Bible, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 Listen, we, 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 could, we could go on with this. Um, we're running out of time for this episode, but you'll join us for one more. And we want to talk about another uh, book that you've written here recently and uh, kind of carry on and, and pick up with uh, a couple of the other things from Ordinary. But thank you so much for joining us, Mike. And thank you for joining us here at Saints and Sinners Unplugged. We look forward to being with you again next week.